This experience is best with headphones. This is a program in partnership with Open and Clear Broadcasting. For more information and additional programs, visit us at openandclear.com. For any questions you would like us to focus on, comments about the show, inquiry about advertising with us, or just want someone to talk to, please visit us there at openandclear.com. Beware of false prophets, 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 which come to you in sheep's clothing. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into driver's temptation. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. That ye may ye shall know them by their fruits. Entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. Driven. Is Reverend Devon Divine a false prophet? For let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Sent here to lead us astray. A doubting, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted. Or is he a spiritual teacher who can guide us to the path of freedom? I'm Dr. Mark. Come with me and partake of his fruit of knowledge. And decide for yourself. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow nor of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we shall be. Welcome to another episode of False Prophet. I'm Dr. Mark here with Reverend Devin Devine on this April 17th, live in studio. Hello, hello. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good to be back. And we just set up a Facebook page, so we got live video just at the last second we decided to do that. So We're full high tech. <laughs> like, oh, crap, it's a totally different scenario of seeing ourselves. I know. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> You're looking behind the green curtain. Oh, that's that guy. It's like, oh, he's not as pretty as his voice. 
I know the illusion is better for me. <laughs> they say I have a face for radio. <laughs> so you had a, a baby. Yeah, Link Alexander joined us this uh, last Friday. I like the name Link. How did you decide that? Uh, well, I think it was mostly up to Trina, and huh. we were searching up and down for a name, that, and we like unique names, and as far as, you know, Zelda, the legend of Zelda, uh, Link is the hero of the dream, and, or the game, <laughs> <laughs> using course terms, uh, and uh, Link, for me, I, I like it because it, it kind of refers to the connection between two worlds, and that's what he was as well. Mm. Kind of like the Avatar, which is, you know, ancient Sanskrit talks about the Avatar beings were the connection between the spiritual universe and the physical. Oh. I, I like it. It's a little weird uh, being so short as far as it feels a little funny to me, but I like it overall. The name? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's it's cool. cute. So you have two kids. Yeah. <laughs> Too. And that's not counting the four step kids as well. So. It's like the Brady Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's People, so cool. Definitely a blended family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neat. I had it easy with Atreyu, that's for sure. He, he was a quiet, content little baby, and he got a little more, you know, sensitive and annoying as he grew older. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Link is is a little more sensitive and emotional right off the bat, which is typical with the babies. It was unusual that Atreyu was so quiet. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and his eyes were open, and, and Link's eyes, he doesn't open them much. And it's, you can tell he's like, it's really sensitive, and it hurts his eyes. He like winks mm. just a little bit, and he's like, ah, oh, it's too bright, too bright out there. And... <laughs> We try and turn down the lights, but he's still getting used to it. Um, Three days old now, right? Yeah. I only have one kid, but I've heard from people who have, you know, several. But each child has its own kind of personality as it comes out. Yeah. Which is just, you know... Because there's, there's the nature versus nurture argument where yeah. you develop your personality over a course of experiences and stuff. But even, like, days into your life, it's interesting to see the differences of personality. It has definitely become known right away. It, it's very obvious that as far as personality goes, it's very unique. I was thinking about personality this week. I was uh, a week ago in Kansas. I'm back in Utah now. But in Kansas, I was sitting there one night meditating because I was really upset about something I saw online. Just two seconds on like social media or in the news or something always upsets me. I'm like, ah, girl, blah. Yeah. And so I'm like, you Hopefully know. Hopefully it wasn't that shooting. Have you heard about that? Uh -uh. Some guy live on Facebook, Sandra was just talking about. Goes around shooting people live. No way. <laughs> In Ohio. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know much about it. I haven't seen it. Anyway. I haven't. What was that kind of stuff? You see that and you're like, oh man, what's wrong with the world? You know? Ah. And so I'm sitting here meditating and I had this. What happened? I was all upset. I was upset and upset and I was really angry. I'm like, oh, I want to beat up this guy. <laughs> and there was a part of me that's like, no, you shouldn't be upset. You should stop that. It's not good. And then there's a part of me that's like, no, but I'm really mad. And so I'm like, well, what if I just stop resisting this idea of being having this emotion? And I had it and it got bigger and bigger. And I just kind of had this whole thing. And then I 
went through the emotion to the other side. Uh. I was like, what the... F-? And I, mean, <laughs> I saw kind of like this whole perspective of what the emotion was doing for me. Why being upset was like helping me. Like, well, if I'm you know upset, then it helps protect me. And really what I'm trying to do is protect myself from stupid. And so then I had... I'm like, what if I could work through all these emotions? And I start working through emotion after emotion. And like... I kind of <laughs> slipped out of my body. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but th- that's what it started, like getting completely honest instead of resisting what you're saying about yourself, like having emotion and you, you define that emotion. And so you want to say, I don't want to be upset or whatever reason <clears throat> you have kind of justified mm. uh, excuse to avoid it. You know, mm. and you were saying so. You you were getting into it. You were you were willing to go there and just be completely upset, right? right? Yeah. yeah, 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 and just be completely honest that you're feeling completely upset, and letting it get big. And you start to recognize when you do that, you might not have the same definitions and terms that I use, but uh, when you actually do that, you come to that that opens up to the reality of it, and that. <clears throat> that burst that you have is the outside of definition and you still have that sensation that's there uh, but the definition which you were resisting and you were judging uh, then opens up to just the freedom of that sensation and, and you you literally feel like it's you mm-hmm. and you feel like you become more free with it and because that essence was that bubble you're keeping a bubble of that love of God within a definition of uh, an emotion or a sensation of some sort. And uh, that's kind of gets into that idea of the last judgment is that eventually there will be that last idea you hold on to that you want to resist. And a lot of it resides around the idea that you can die and that you're not eternal and, and that you're not one with God and whatever it might be. And you feel it pop and you have that release of of really recognizing again the reality of who you are and so you go through these cycles and of of those emotions like it, it seems like oh i popped this anger let's say mm. then you f- realize that anger is coming up again and you're like wait a second and, but really it is a different anger not the exact same one you were dealing with before mm. even if the story is different so it's a, a different perspective and it's kind of in a way you're attempting to confine yourself to anger again you're trying to say oh no there is a possibility that i can be angry and there's Mm -hmm. an excuse and a reason that anger is justified and so you then have defined it again and you've made it real again and you're starting to react because it's real again and, (laughs) and and so on and do you have to work back through it again yeah in a way uh but it's not really you know, it's that training of the mind that keeps doing the work mm. that then when it sees that it's happening, it's now takes a different approach instead of, you know, like we trained ourselves to throw tantrums, right. to be upset about things and, <laughs> and to try and get our way. And usually because it's, we actually got our way from it and it, it worked. Yeah. And now we want to actually recognize that. Uh, what we really want is more to be happy in this way is not actually working to get us there. Mm. I think that's what I experienced too is like, why was I throwing an emotional tantrum? Well, because at some point that was helping me, you know, get what I want, but there's a better way. 
and to let go of this emotional tantrumic emotions of anger and stuff. Tantrumic. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to describe. It it really gets into that having a, a level of honesty that you know we think we're being honest when we're like, oh yes, I'm angry. I have to admit that I'm angry mm-hmm. and. and do that and that's you know you're recognizing that there's a problem you're recognizing that there's something you don't like and you keep going further and really you know I, oh I, encompassing and I, I remember some people saying uh, that if you you know feel a certain way be that holy be that completely mm. and it really is like that that when you do allow it to be everything that you are you will all of a sudden recognize that, that you know it's it's not all that you are it's not you you're, you know you're that burst you you recognize oh you can change your mind at any time when it, mm. it gets so abstract right. so big that it's like wait a second now it becomes humorous and it's now this big joke instead of being you know it was so serious it was real before so mm. now it's just like this huge clown thing <laughs> that just a joke <laughs> it was interesting as I worked through kind of these emotions that were on my mind that I could get through them and I wasn't so emotionally attached to them. I just kind of surrendered to them and they was able to, you know, I saw the bubble. I could stand outside of it and kind of lose them. Yeah, that's good. I was weird though. Like I felt like I kind of floated off into some other plane or something and I was just kind of at peace. And at some point, like my alarm went off and I had to get up in the morning Mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, in order for me to like come back down, I have to like, put back yeah. on my personality yeah. and I have to, it was you have so to define yourself again. Right. Yeah. And at some point I thought, you know, in medicine, we call it the disassociative identity disorder is you know, most people call it multiple personalities. Yeah. And we've always been so confounded by this. Like how can you have multiple personalities inside your head and all this stuff and seeing myself put on a personality. I was like, Oh man, I don't even have multiple personalities. I just <laughs> have personality. <laughs> the personality disorder. <laughs> It's just a construct in my brain. Yeah, I yeah, exactly. And, you know, you see almost when you do it often, like you see how, you know, the angry personality mm-hmm. and you see the sad personality, the happy personality, and as if it, you know, you're like a different person and you have different response rates, you have different memories come up, you have different things within those different personalities. And, I mean, it wouldn't necessarily be considered a different personality according to, you know, psychic studies and but as far as when you actually experience it it almost as if you are a different person entirely mm-hmm. and you do feel that even though it comes out of the same mouth even though it comes out of the same eyes it is really a different person mm-hmm. and it goes into that recognizing that you are somewhat insane and people think that it's perfectly normal to <laughs> be like this to to actually be in lifestyle of being completely insane right and and that's that's okay i mean really you're you're recognizing the entire time the world and everyone is completely insane everyone is doing this and believes it so wholeheartedly mm-hmm. uh, i mean they actually respond to it and <laughs> so do i and yet you know can we actually admit that we are actually insane i might not want to go that far Right. Well, I heard once we were talking, I don't remember if it was philosophy or medicine, but, you know, a schizophrenic has multiple voices in their head at the same time kind of shouting at him and all this stuff. 
But I say, but don't you have a voice in your head? Yeah. I think it was a psychiatry class. Like, well, you have a psych, you know, you read a book, you hear a voice in your head, blah, 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 reading this thing or having this conversation in your head. Like, why is that not schizophrenic? Why is that not just as insane? It's like, oh. Well, it's not many voices, is it? <laughs> well, they said the difference between somebody who's schizophrenic and somebody who's considered more normal is their ability to function in the world around them. You know, as long as it doesn't inhibit you from having an average everyday life or something, then you're normal. Yeah. But when it starts to disrupt your lifestyle and change a bunch of things, then you're crazy. Yeah. And that's where it kind of gets into this idea that uh, A Course in Miracles says, you know, the, the, the sane, well, the insane are not likely to understand that trust would settle every problem now. Mm. And that's kind of referring to that right now we have some what of a trust in the person <coughs> in the personality that <coughs> no, it's, you, you pick up where I'm left off right? <laughs> the trust in the personality <coughs> Jeez. yeah the personality like we have a trust because we've been using it building it throughout our lives a trust to be doing and where it's going. And mm-hmm. and like schizophrenia, for an example, is just being one of the billions of things that make it seem difficult or seem like a problem uh, that, you know, you're, you're running from something that's not there or you're dealing with voices that are not there. You're not trusting the experience to actually have some purpose to it. Mm. You know, if you did, just like the voice in your head, you know, you hear that voice, you trust what it's saying, and that it's somewhat coherent and it makes sense. If it starts talking gibberish, you know, you would be likely to question, you know, it and the fact that you're trusting it. And, and you know, if you do continue to trust it, you're, you'd actually start speaking gibberish yourself and, <laughs> and all this, these ideas. And it's, it's that fear of whatever the situation is that makes it into a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, as it, you know, inhibits me from being able to be socially acceptable and somehow deal with people and work with society uh, can't function anymore is because I'm in resistance to it instead mm-hmm. of recognizing you know I have all these personalities and I, I can that means I have all these talents all these abilities all these thoughts available to me and there's actually a recognition there that can be used to finding that purpose of it being that way and I remember the day well not the date but I remember the time that I chose to have a thought in my head. And it didn't happen uh, like it was uh, right away, like continuous. It's like I realized that people use words in their head, mm. and then I chose to start using words in my head also. I thought this communication thing was just between bodies and people uh, separate from each other, not so much actually talking in your own head. And it, so it took a little practice to use words and make words in, in this thought system in my brain. And uh, I, I, started, I did start to grow on to that and use that. I would say, you know, that's when I kind of became coherent in the world a little bit better, a little more able to communicate and I say it's three years old or something. Wow. I heard a story once where there was a, a Catholic priest, you know, forever ago. And he was very famous because he could read a book in silence. 
Whereas most people at the time, I don't know how true this is, but most people at the time were said to have, when they read, they would read out loud. But this guy could read in his mind. Like the voice in his head was saying the words. It blew people away. Like, whoa. That's funny. When was that? I know, a long time ago. Or like I'll read uh, books on how to speed read. And it says one of the things that stops people, it slows them down, is when you read, you have a voice in your head saying blah, 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 going through and saying each word. It says if you let go of that, and just start comprehending the words that are being read, you can just flash through them as fast as your mind can see them. Hmm. But it's having to take the time to hear the sound of the word in your mind that slows you down. I was like, can you just comprehend without that personality in your mind dictating it to you, you know? Yeah, and we've developed that voice in our head to work in a certain fashion. Right. You know, and some of us didn't you know, go down the route of trying to make it work in a very good way or, you know, this whole literacy ability. And some of us, you know, didn't grow in the same way and, and use, still use that thought system or that belief of words in our mind the same way society has. And so it does expand into this idea that we are not, you know, that we can't really work together if mm -hmm. we don't. You know, you're not a part of society if you don't work in the fashion of thinking the same way, you know. Mm -hmm. You have to fit into what is so-called normal in order to be able to communicate with everyone in order to have that actual joining in that, that thought system. And you won't even be able to recognize it until you do it yourself. Like, I didn't, I had thoughts, but I didn't recognize that everybody actually used words in their head. <laughs> You know, and the same same way with intelligent people, and uh, you know, talking with someone that's just not apparently as intelligent as them, mm. and and you just kind of laugh. You're like, wow, this guy has no idea that he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I I see and feel people do it with me all the time sure. as well, and it's somewhat of how I've put myself off or how I've talked. Uh, in that moment or sometimes stumble or whatever and that I didn't train that voice in my head that personality to actually act in the way in which society thinks is appropriate mm. or acceptable of being an intelligent being and so we use this whole idea of having curriculum having uh, credentials and right. oh, we have paper that says this guy we have a, a prefix to his name that says he knows stuff you know right doctor I know. <laughs> right. It was an interesting experience when I was having this meditation because I've never really realized how much this identity that I have, this personality of me, isn't really me. It's just like a tool I use to interact with other people in my life. Yeah. And I kind of have to go back into it. It's like the glove I have to put on in order yeah. to like function. But there's a me that's deeper than this personality. And yeah. most of... Yeah. Most of anything bad that's ever happened really has just been a challenge to my personality. I don't want people to think I'm stupid. I have a smart personality. Yeah, yeah you have to recognize that there's other people out there, you know, mm. in order to want to do that and want to use the way that they communicate with each other. And so then you start conforming into this idea. And that, that voice in your head and the memories that it uses to process communication and to deal with other people is quite literally the fourth dimension. It is the essence of time that believes it is that body and that life and among bodies of the third dimension. Mm -hmm. It was weird because 
We've talked a lot about how our belief creates the world around us. And as I've kind of seen that more and accepted it and experienced it, now I'm starting to see how belief is shaping me inside. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh man. So ultimately this belief that's shaping the world is a different aspect of that consciousness. It's not the ego personality that we're talking about. It's more of that essence of the first dimension that has uh, had an idea and this idea is the development of the entirety of the universe and so we then are living it firsthand and then perceiving it from another direction which we call personality and having that a perception of that reality instead and a baby just came home with a mommy oh. <laughs> he's probably <laughs> asleep he's still pretty tiny oh man they're fun at that age my what, what was that, Trina? Oh, no, he's angry. Oh, he's angry. <sighs> he's a cutie. Babies are fun. My daughter just turned one, and she's learning how to throw a tantrum. Oh, yeah. Oh. She's smart. Early. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how much of... My wife always comments how much of her personality is, like, directly mine. She's right. super rebellious and strong-willed and has to do everything her way. And she doesn't just do what she's told. She has to do it her way. And she uses a baby voice every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You, you see it when you deal with people and, like... <clears throat> especially new people, yeah. if they're in a new situation, a lot of people fall back onto where that has been developed mm -hmm. and that lifestyle. So if you start talking with someone and it's a new way of talking, new theory or something, they might fall back on you know, where they've learned even those concepts or like if you say something about God, they start going into, oh, everything you're talking about is about this religion that I know of and where they've learned about God and what they've defined God to be. And instead of actually hearing what you're talking about, they then have this whole structure of judgment and ideas and determination of what you're talking and if it's valid or if it's not or if you fit into this uh, definition of what they're saying and if it's true or not. And, and we do it every time, all the time. Mm -hmm. And you see, you see something like this when you get into... Uh, some sort of new sociable, uh, socialistic, whatever, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> social event, and people tend to fall back on, you know, where, you know, like, like I, a baby voice, for an example. And it's not necessarily, if it's, it happens sometimes with people, like my mom used to do it a lot, just all of a sudden start talking in this little, this little voice, and you can see that she was as a child un, undeveloped in that area right uh, and and falls back into using that as a way of communication and now that when it happens and when you confront it enough that you start to develop that area you know and actually develop in that essence of that personality aspect of yourself mm -hmm. and the idea of this spirituality and being mind training is really trying to question everything that we think we've learned we taught ourselves how to be ourselves right and now we want to take it in a different direction of allowing ourselves to be you know 
something different. You know, we've defined ourselves to be this way. Why do I think I need to remain this way? Mm-hmm. So I, if, if there's an area where I haven't questioned, you know, something getting me upset, for example, you know, like you naturally have a way of, of how you're going to react when you're upset. Some people close off. Some people yell and throw things and kick things. And it's like, you know, are you this development that you have decided this is how you react? Or are you going to finally start to choose differently about the development of your personality? It reminds me of a conversation I was having with a buddy once. It was a guy I knew all through college, and we were single guys back then, and we'd play, you know, go rock climbing, do all this crazy cool stuff. And, mm-hmm. and then we both got married years later. And I was talking to him once. And I'm like, yeah, we should go do something. You know, and I want to go play late at night like we've always done. But he's like, well, you know, you know, we're married now and we're adults now. And adults behave in a certain way. And he had this whole idea of what it was he was supposed to be. And it was interesting to see him convert into his dad. He became his dad. <laughs> he's like, oh, I get up at 7 a.m. and I go to bed really early and I eat oatmeal and have an old man haircut. And, and it was really funny. And I see a lot of my friends that I've known through high school and stuff that have evolved from like the crazy youthful ambitious whatever we used to be into like their parents they've just kind of converted into this identity personality and i'm like why when did we choose to be our parents when we choose to get old well that's the whole nature nurture thing again Mm -hmm. because you know when you don't know what to do you start relying on what you've seen or what you've decided on i mean that's this whole hypnotism about uh, television and stuff is that you know you're seeing a lifestyle and you then think it's normal when you mm-hmm. don't know what to do you rely on that you know every the whole everything you have seen everything you have determined as real and you start to use it because you don't know what to do you just oh well I've seen this guy subconsciously you oh I've seen this guy act this way mm-hmm. and do this and everything and and it goes so you're passing on when you're as a parent you're passing on in that fashion how uh, I want to show you how to react to this situation as an adult Mm. and you're going to then naturally show your child that because they just fall back on what they've learned and that that always goes by the whole personality thing Mm -hmm. Um, this is pretty much the comprehension of the evolution of our consciousness and of our bodies and and that we can only do what has been in our area, in our experience, and in what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it kind of taps into that idea that there is something about us that is greater, something about us that is more, that we can, you know, if we ask the question, the right question, you know, for, well, let's make that make a little more sense. That uh, I can't ask, you know, what would a doctor do unless I have a concept of what a doctor is. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't even think, you know, how, how can I deal with this situation unless I even know that situation could happen. And so if it's kind of like in that idea, then I can develop, if it's been things I've seen, been things I've heard, or, or not, or just something, well, if it's like this, then it would be in this way. If it's like this, it would be in this way. And so you think of it, as we do that now, I can act like as being an actor in my past, I can act like a doctor and I could do what doctors do. It doesn't mean I'm really capable of, of actually surgeries and stuff, <laughs> but uh, you know, doing that. And, and then you know, I can make it seem and I can start faking it till I make it. Mm-hmm. And, and in that way, in that sense, 
to think of how the Son of God has developed an idea, you know, well, well, well what would it be like to be a doctor? You know, you have to develop everything uh, to human beings, to animals, to a planet, to, you know, all <laughs> education, <laughs> right. to the whole past ideas of what it is to be, even in this moment, of what you are, you know, and that, like, you, <laughs> you have to have all this past to support this very moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that even be outside of physicality. Like there has to be some th- some sort of development. And that, that, you know, just the fact that there's intelligent existence right now kind of is evidence that there has to be intelligent existence in the entire essence of even before human beings came to be. Yeah. Just simply to come to that point, to be sentient. There mm-hmm. has to be something more that is wanting to be sentient. Wow. And even in like an individual's life as they become more sentient and aware of why am I falling into these identities? They can start to question their own personality. Like, well, well, you know, what is the course teaching us? Like, I can start to question all these ideas of my own, who I am and what I am. Do I have these limitations and these weaknesses? And And just having that ability to look at ourselves, you know, like a turtle can't look at itself and... Well, mm-hmm. I assume. <laughs> I like to really be in that experience, uh, to be able to look at ourselves, to be able to recognize ourselves. That that's why we think we're all high and mighty uh, in the world. We think we're the highest, the food chain, and everything because you know we have the ability to recognize that creation happened, or or evolution happened, or even to think of the ideas of that. You know, to, to recognize that, you know, we're not just being who we are. There are other things happening as well. Mm. Instead of simply uh, something to be afraid of and something to eat. Seems like there's a resistance, though. Like, as you, at least at first, if you start to question your personality or even start to question cultures as a whole. Like, well, where did this religious culture come or my American culture? This Our whole universe at this moment in 2017 yeah. culture. Like the the ego wants to defend its existence, yeah. But to move past it, you know, you kind of have to be like, well, question everything. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, and that's how we got. That's how it built piece by piece by piece. Was like someone wanted to expand on that idea or expand in that way. Well, if it's like this, then it's a little bit more like this, and it, yet that's what that whole evolution is. Is it's not entirely uh, of bodies but it's the fact that you can just have an idea of your parents for an example and then be a little bit more just to say oh I am like my parents oh man I didn't want to be like my dad (laughs) but I didn't know how to react in this situation so then I acted like my dad Mm. and you know so then there's that ability to recognize and just uh, whether go beyond it in any direction is that same evolution I mean, evolution, is, as far as consciousness goes, is education and the ability to learn more, to see more than what you do in this moment. Right. I've read books on uh, people who grew up in households where the parents were like abusive alcoholics. And we we talk about this cycle of abuse kind of a thing, where if you were raised in a house where people were really abusive, you 
that's how you were raised. That's how you know how to deal with problems and stuff. And so you become the abusive alcoholic parent to your kids. And it's just this cycle that keeps going on. And it's like in order to break the cycle, you kind of have to relearn new yeah. personality characteristics and how to deal with things differently. But it's this really hard thing to do, you know, because you got to start to question, well, you know, well, my, when my dad got mad, he just beat us. What else can you do? Is there something else? Yeah, and that ability to question, that's where the whole sins of my father will, mm. of seven generations, it's like, you know, even just, oh, my father beat me, maybe there's a better way, but you're still beating, you know, and you're still reacting that way. Maybe there's a better way. I don't entirely know what it is, but I do want to see it. But then you keep falling back on the, mm -hmm. the beating option, being belligerent, drunk, or whatever. And... Then, but then your child then saw that oh my father beat me, but he questioned it, mm. and then you know like what what is the other option that he saw, you know, and you start expanding even more. Oh, but he questioned it. Maybe I, I should question it, and and then so on, and it, until the next generation, they're like, oh now there's this other option, and or I could do it this way that I saw my dad wanting to question, you know, and it keeps <laughs> being passed down to expanding expanding and it starts with the child saying no you know no i want i want to do something different and mm. he said no i'm gonna find out why you know why no and find out for myself maybe be, i mean like that the whole reason of saying no and of wanting to do something different is because you want to expand on that conscious evolution of of what is this personality because we want to grow out of i mean that's why we've held on to this idea of jesus and miracle workers and of all several different cultures and Krishna and, you know, all these different ideas that someone, you know, expanded what we can do. And now we want to see, you know, we want to ask, you know, how is it actually possible to do that? How is it actually possible? And then generations will be finding, oh, well, it's kind of possible in this way and kind of possible in that way. And, and we're passing it down, expanding on what is possible in actual experience and, and bringing heaven to earth. And so you think over time, everyone will just kind of evolve into this. Yeah. And yeah. The, the course is an, uh, a required course, right? Yeah, it's required in that sense because it is actually life mm. is the actual course. And that's more of an as aspect of trying to uh, save time and, and get us there faster. It's only from... You know, the the required courses like lifetimes and lifetimes of, oh, I'll question beliefs here and go a little farther, question beliefs here, go a little farther. Uh, but this is like, let's just kick the bucket and go a whole <laughs> nother step. Let's just go, you know, a whole jump staircases instead of tiny little steps. And so it, it gets... You know, people fear it. Everybody wants to take little steps, right. not, not just this comfortable, huge, easy. Whoa, what steps. are you talking about? There's no good or evil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a huge step, which everybody will recognize and understand one day. I was having this conversation on the the ride home with my wife because it took us two days and like twenty hours or something to drive from Kansas yeah, with a one year old. Oh man, I know with a what? Right, right. Throwing tantrums too. Oh. <laughs> Imagine. So we had, you know, we're just sitting in the car forever and we were having a chat and we started talking about religion because I don't know, that's me. And I'm like, so is there a good and evil? She's like, well, of course there's a good and evil. I mean, how could you not believe that? I'm like, okay, let's take the What's most your basis. Yeah. Right. Let's take the most extreme case, um, murder. 
And we started talking about, well, is murder ever good? No, it's always wrong. I'm like, well, what about in the scriptures? This time murder was okay, and, and that time murder was okay, and Abraham was told to kill his own son. And, you know, what about the, the well, that's a that's different murder. That's acceptable. And so it was fun to go through just kind of these thought experiments on the whole way right home, you know? And it's like, well, what do we really believe about good and bad and good and evil and stuff? And what if it was less rigid as we thought? Yeah, what if you weren't bodies? What would murder be if you weren't body? Right. And then where would that moral stance? I mean, it's obvious that it has to do with the body, and its only condition is within the body. And, you know, you can only punish a body because, you know, that's the only thing that can stay in a prison. Uh, If if that's not a body either, it can just go right through the walls and float around. Or she's like, well, what about, like, adultery or something if somebody cheats on their spouse? And I said, yeah, but, I mean, in modern day, like, polyamory is becoming a thing where people have these open-ended relationships and stuff. And I'm like, and if they're all okay with it, who's getting hurt? Yeah, it's like unwritten rules, you know. Yeah, it, do you have the actual establishment of the rules of your relationship, which a lot of people like to use traditions and stuff. And it, but have you actually agreed that if you do this, it's I would not like it, you know. And and it comes into that idea, well, if you did that and I don't like what you did, did I ever really like you? <laughs> but that uh it's a little questionable because a lot of people think, oh, no, I like you if you're this way, not if you're that way. Mm. And, you know, you have to be the this perfect man here in this category. And if you do these things, then being a free person, you know, and being just an independent person that you are, mm. uh, then, you know, you're not the person I want to be with. And so it's like, do you guys agree on the status of your relationship and, and it, or do we just subconsciously go blindly with these, you know, generations and generations of beliefs insisting that we are a certain way? Mm-hmm. It was interesting because she's like, she's like, well, I mean, if they have these relationships and it doesn't bother them that their their partner is not being faithful to them, then they're just there's something wrong with them that's morally wrong. I mean, it's something that's that's sick. And it's kind of so we get through and talking about it. And I thought it was funny because I'm like, well. But that's just a belief you hold, and if they don't hold it, then that's not hurting them. Yeah. And it's and, and think about how it completely relies on us being bodies again. Mm. Like, what if we're not bodies? Well, there's a few options of theories of what we could be, like a soul, for an example. Like, we think there's actually a point of definition where a soul is and then a soul is not. Mm. But it's this extended radiant energy that literally uh, yours and mine while you have a point of a soul and I have a point of the soul, the entirety of our essence of the soul right now is, I mean, we're in this cosmic orgy going on. And, <laughs> you know, you're, you're close enough to my wife right now. Your souls are having sex and all this stuff. you know. <laughs> and so it's like, can you actually establish this idea that you can't have adultery, you know, with each other unless you have to be you have to be required to be physical bodies and separate mm-hmm. and that it all relies on that and that's kind of the idea it's like it's like well none of these rules uh, established your reality before none of them were made sense before but now that you're running around being physical beings uh, it, it would be helpful for society and so you guys don't get all upset at each other and kill each other off and and we don't go anywhere with this idea hmm. 
uh, to go by these rules will help you be a little more happy with each other, dealing with each other better. But, you know, as going through the seventh seal of existence, you know, we're actually not just having words in our heads, that it's becoming an intellectual thing where almost the whole entire world and everything we think of we're realizing is all in our heads mm -hmm. and you know we're going to start we're evolving into this new expansion of of ways of of perceiving the world mm -hmm. and and it will include and bring about new rules that are that change everything well now you're a you know a superhuman person and so now you have other superhuman rules type thing. You know, we need different commandments. <laughs> Circumstances changed. Right. It's interesting to think about. It just came to my like head just now. I'm thinking as I needed a personality to come back into my body and interact with this world, yeah. I'm realizing I also kind of expect other people to have their personalities. And we find it immoral yeah. when somebody changes personalities. Yeah. Like you were talking about, like you can't just change and do something differently. It's like an update on a computer. Oh, I hate how they changed that. Right? <laughs> we find it like immoral. Like if we elect a politician, but then he does something we don't like, we're like, oh, you changed. You're not the blah, blah, blah. Or we get mad. Yeah, you said you would do this. <laughs> right? You marry someone and like 20 years later, they're a different person. You're like, well, how dare you change? Yeah. You're not the man I married. <laughs> right. And we expect this consistency. Like my personality is going to interact with your personality and it's always going to be the same. But if we start questioning things like that, like, well, why, why do we have these personalities? Why are we confined to these kind of social rules that we've defined for ourselves? Like, I only wear, you know, certain kind of clothes, and I only wear certain, you know, drive a certain car in a certain way, go to a certain job. And if I start to change these things, the people in my life who hold me in this personality would start to get weirded out. Yeah. <laughs> why like are you dressing you, like that? You see it in movies all the time, you know, this strict man with a suit has you know, social status and everything gets somehow put in an awkward position with this, you know, hippie right. guy with dreadlocks and doesn't even wear shoes and mm. and they're like in this situation dealing with each other and have completely different thought process about what the world's about and what makes them happy and why they do things. And you see both of them kind of stretching their mind as they're joining together and communicating and it's it's really fascinating what comes about and even though it's completely hypothetical but it does actually happen uh, it is the kind of goes into that realm of cosmic orgy that we do join in different ideas of realizing oh I'm, I'm a little more rigid in this sense than I need to be and we start we start kind of polishing that stone as it's being tossed down this river and everyone we deal with uh, is doing that chipping away different sides until we're kind of what we're meant to be and what we've been designed to be that we're not really in charge of you know the circumstances of our lives or the curriculum that we have uh, but it, it is we are in charge of how willing we are to allow that change to occur in ourselves mm. you know allow that you know oh maybe I was a, a little more strict or maybe I was wrong about this and I'd rather be you know happy and so you start allowing yourself to be shaped and conformed and all this stuff and it, it naturally just changes and it brings about different experiences and it's hard to understand that when it is confined in one lifetime mm -hmm. and you know uh, no I have to be this type of person because it's not just one lifetime and I, it determines where I'm gonna go and all these ideas and it makes it a little difficult to then 
you know, you think, oh, the, the divine is this way, and so I need to then be strict in these areas mm. instead of recognizing the divine is this way, so I don't have to be strict in this area. You know, you are actually in this how the divine is, and the world really isn't influencing you like you think it is. Like we, we often think, oh, my soul is scarred because mm-hmm. of the sin I performed, mm-hmm. and, and it's not true at all. And just thinking of the eternal perspective uh, has, is not influenced by a tiny little pinpoint a tiny little atom moving from one centimeter over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did the universe change? <laughs> I remember we used to joke with my friends um, in college or something. We'd When we would leave, we'd say things like, now remember who you are, kind of joking about, you know, what our parents used to say. <laughs> it's such a funny thing. Remember who you are. <laughs> well, who am I? I don't even know. Thing of crap. I remember what I'm supposed to be, these expectations of this very rigid structure, do this, don't do this, but like, who who am I? And you try and, through all the teachings that you've heard and all the experience, you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm a child of God. I guess, you know, because of that, I need to act by these rules because it says in this book, I'm a child of God. And I'm the only way to, you know, and you go, you're trying to define <laughs> it, trying to make sense. There. Instead of realizing, well, who you are, and how can you understand who you are if you don't define yourself some way? And that's what that mind is telling us, that voice. It's like, I'm, I'm a definition you've given yourself before, mm. and we've been working out pretty good, but now it might be time to start questioning you know, the, the definition of yourself, you know, what type of person you are. And you see this in education every, all the time. It's like, in order to, you know, accept new philosophies, accept new ideas, you have to question the reality of what you have defined yourself already. Right. We've done this when we were, you know, a child, we came into this world, we knew nothing, but at the same time we knew, oh, I want to know everything about this world. I want to know the way of being a human. And (laughs) then we, we went into this definition, we use it so often in different variations in our personality. And so we have it all structured out. And then when something says, you know, you're a little more rigid in that area than you need to be, uh, then it's like, whoa, whoa, if I'm wrong about this, I'm wrong about everything. Boom. You know, start chipping away. It's scary. The world comes crashing down. Yeah. I still think about the quote, you know, somebody asks, well, what is the point of life? (laughs) The other person says, well, who's asking? (laughs) Who am I? Well, who's asking? If a body's asking, you're a body. Right. Your personality. If a soul's asking, then you know, you're the love of God. You're this whole expression of enjoyment. And, mm. you know, if consciousness is asking, it's you know, in that sense, you know, what, you know, where do you think of yourself? Mm. Do you think of yourself as a body, or do you think of yourself as this eternal being? It's interesting to think though that. It's kind of taboo to start questioning, well, who am I? And start questioning all your beliefs. And, you know, it's scary. I mean, we don't want to know. That's just like in order to come back into this personality as you wanted to do, you had to know what you were again. Hmm. You know, oh, I've defined myself as Mark. Right. There you are, Mark. Well, it was interesting in in the LDS conference they had, I don't know, a while ago. 
there was a quote that was said that everybody really liked. And he was talking about, you know, what if you start questioning your testimony and you start having doubts about the church and stuff? And they say, well, you should doubt your doubts before you doubt your testimony. And I thought, well, that's interesting because it brings into question selectively what you're doubting. But what if you doubt everything? Yeah. What if you challenged every single thing you know? Yeah. The stuff that was truish would hold out longer. Did you say truish? I know, because there's like no truth anymore. Everything's all, it's all in the mind. Well, that's all it can do. I mean, if no matter how <laughs> much questioning can happen, and if you're willing to take it on every level, on everything, it can only bring you to truth. Right. It's, it can't take you further away. I mean, sure, if you start grabbing on other ideas and making up a universe, you're like, well, there's no point, there's no world about it, nothing, and so you start going some other direction and making up I mean, that's how you got here in the first place. So you mm. just experience exactly what you've already done. And then you have a little bit of an example of how we got here in the first place. And, you know, that, that whole going off an idea and going building off ideas. I really don't remember what I was talking about, but that seemed like a good conclusion to it. Well, I think you're saying, like, as you go back to truth, maybe you can get railroaded and invent these new universes oh, like yeah. we're doing now but even in the deepest inception of inception of inception yeah. waking up to truth still pulls you out of everything yeah right? yeah you're waking up in the dream waking up in the dream waking up you know oh it doesn't matter what the world looks like in that moment or what dimension you're perceiving mm -hmm. that if you're willing to get out of it willing to go further every single time you can only go back to that essence of truth I mean, because it's it's not a definition, it's not a dogma, it's not words, it's a reality, I and mean, it's something you live. Yeah, so it's interesting when you start to question your knowledge, your truth, your testimony, because you've, you know, people are afraid they'll lose their truth or they'll lose it. But really what you're saying is as you question everything and you really pick it apart, ultimately, it yeah. always leads back to truth. Yeah, it's really that essence of that testimony is, is like they have their definition within their personality. Oh, I've defined myself as this Christian, let's say. And really, it's it's like I would lose a part of myself if I questioned that. You know, mm -hmm. in the same ex same way, would you question if you're actually body? I mean, you think that it's okay to question because, oh, duh, <laughs> I still have this reality that I am a body. I have but to then, buy shoes. You know, you would, if you really did go down that way, you know, it it would show you evidence of what you're questioning that, you know, that's why it's funny that I hear a lot of people, well, just ask in prayer if it's not true. And well, I mean, you're going to get a sensation of telling you how it's not true. Uh, but you, you think, Oh, I got a sensation. Oh, I realize that this is true. And, and it's kind of turned around and it's not so much about the definition. And well, you, what, information you receive and what you ask isn't about the words that you're asking at all but the reality of who you are asking and how much you want the answer mm. i mean the reality of who you are can give and determine and do anything you want it to do so if you want those words to be true or not th then you will have it be true unto you or not and it really doesn't you know is it useful now and can you would you go further with it mm. how far would you go with it and, that, and the willingness to question everything is the willingness to continue that evolution, that expansion of your consciousness and eventually realization of the actual truth. And ultimately, like we were talking about as it passes through generations, it seems like this is a natural evolution. But yeah. the course just gives you a huge boost. 
Yeah. Let's you become aware. A, a lot of uh, different practices and stuff do give you huge boosts and you know you you only really think of spiritual experiences as something that does give you a huge boost i mean some people do put it off on a tiny little sensation and then they they believe the entirety of this book and these books (laughs) and what these people say because i had a little burning and instead for me it's like no spiritual experience is transcendent to the body Mm -hmm. and like it's enveloping everything Mm -hmm. and it's it's undeniable <laughs> and it can only bring you that and you know how much are you willing to question I and mean, actually feeling that burning sensation and and you know what would it be like to feel that sensation everywhere and then you make up these ideas well the enemy can make you feel anything you want it's like yeah it's true you can feel anything you want and you are your own damn enemy <laughs> right that's true but it's tricky it's fun this way. I mean, we got eternity to play with, and we think we're concerned about one lifetime, mm. and we can take as long as we want. There is no end, so we take as long as we want. <laughs> and, you know, it's really, oh, I'm tired of this, is when it's going to change. Yeah. Oh, I want something different. That's when it's going to change. Thank you, Mark, for being here in the studio with me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm glad we got the connection back. And thank you all live on Facebook. And anybody else, you can find us through searching False Prophet, question, (laughs) A New Look at Dogma on Facebook. And uh, that's a brand new page. So we'll see how that goes and how that everything happens with that. So awesome. Are Are we good? I think so. Okay. Thank you all. And if you want more information about us, openandclear.com. Have a beautiful day. Boop, boop, boop.